there. My name is Luciano Nassidi. I'm the CEO of Primary Industries Education Foundation Australia. And uh, I'm on the podcast today with uh, Andrew and Matt, the uh, ag, what was it called again? Uh, the Ag Watchers. <laughs> ag Watchers. Yes, I had it written down. Yeah, there you go. Blank. I can do it we again. Were... No, no, that's oh, perfect. No, 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 that's we, perfect. We, we, don't, we specifically don't do edits on this podcast, so any, okay. any, any yeah. mistakes, make it through. That's All it. Good. And I was just, just going to say how professional it was sounding then just uh, that, last hurdle, that last hurdle, <laughs> but never mind. Never mind. It's it a long day and it's, it's my still... birthday. Yeah, and, oh, really? You know, I just, um, it's been a, a pretty full-on day, so... Um, but that's all good. I'm excited to be here. So give us uh, – so, so excited you don't know what we're called. But <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, uh, buon compleanno. Uh, oh, grazie. Grazie mille. Oui, ça va. And give us a quick introduction into what PIFA do. So we, um, uh, we develop resources around ag, food and fibre education as well as um, – our advocates for food and fibre education. So we we target schools, um, K, count, kindergarten, foundation, or prep to year twelve, and um, we our, our resources and programs target all subject areas, not just agriculture, but science, geography, um, maths, English, and um, and basically trying to uh, support teachers in uh, engaging in food and fibre education through a range of programs that we have available um, through our um, our websites and um, and the like. Cool. Well, first of all, before we get into the sort of, I guess, the nitty gritty of it, we'll probably start off with the sixth sense, mm-hmm. which is our psychological test of all our guests. This is to determine whether you're, I guess, compass mentis enough to continue with the discussion <laughs> um, and, 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 and how you answer the, the questions, you know, for, for, a not, for a non-regular listener, the questions may sound odd, but they are specifically there to engage with your mind and determine mm-hmm. whether you're an appropriate guest to be on a podcast. So we're going to throw a word or a sentence at you, and you just give us the first either sentence or word that comes back to mind, and then we'll assess it. So Matt, do you want to jump in first and foremost? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'll go – I'll start with um... – Rural urban divide. Um, it's getting uh, wider, and um, uh, there are, are more and more people in urban areas who have a total disconnect with what's happening in the agriculture world. But also, people who live in regional and rural areas also live in in regional uh, areas have also have a disconnect with what's happening in their agricultural food and fibre world that they live in educating the next generation on agriculture i think that we need to break down the stereotypes that people have about what is agriculture agriculture is traditionally seen as equaling farming and we mm-hmm. do know that agriculture has moved ahead food and fiber production as such has moved ahead and very much agriculture food and fiber is driven by technology, about increasing sustainability and increasing the ethics of the production of those uh, products. So I think the next generation um, needs to understand or, or the next generation will be the drivers for um, um, for the use of technology 
to improve production, but everything along the supply chain. So we'll, it's, take, we'll, it's, take, we'll take that as a slightly longer than a short answer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, whose who's podcast is this anyway? <laughs> Black pudding. <laughs> um, I have used it and it's great. I love cooking with it. Okay. Crocs footwear. Uh, I have been through that phase and care never to engage with it again. Yeah. Okay, so one good answer on the black pudding front, one not so good answer on the Crocs footwear, but that's all right. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep going. We'll keep going. Uh, teacher burnout. It's a, it's a massive issue that um, needs a, a, a great deal of rethink in terms of the curriculum and the expectations of teachers. And uh, it will continue to happen unless we have a whole-scale change to the education system. Here's one. The COVID impact on teaching. Short answer. Uh, <laughs> it has been devastating uh, and uh, very challenging, which has also triggered the um, the loss of teachers from the system. Right. Oh, well, look, you were half right. Your answers on teaching and education were, were fine. Your answer on black pudding was perfect. Perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, your answer on Crocs was probably half right mm -hmm. and that you've at least tried them. And look, they are coming back in fashion. So if you don't want to get back in. I'll confess I still had my Crocs. There we go. That's that's the answer you should have went with. But... I still had my Crocs, but I, 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 you know, I'm a closet Croc, Croc wearer. You see, I just, I, I, I can't. I just, yeah. I, I, only in small circles will I. Repeat. So we had we had Emma Germano on not long ago, and and it's good to see that some Italian people or people of Italian heritage, Luciano, is they can still have the right fashion sense because Emma Emma was very anti Crocs. She was very but, anti Crocs, yeah. like aggressively yeah. anti Crocs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm, I, it was a, it was a, a fashion statement for a while, and 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 I still, I'm, I'm a bit of a hoarder when it comes to those sort of fashion statements. So, you know, if there's a fancy dress party that requires the paisley shirt or the big white tie from the seventies and and uh, and the like, I can pull it out of the closet. I've actually got paisley shorts on just now, but we shouldn't, we shouldn't go there. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. So, so we said at the outset with regards to this. Um, this urban-rural divide, and you made some interesting kind of observations around it. That obviously, and, and and I think you're right that there is a a widening gap because you know nowadays it used to be if you go back a few generations, there were people that had members of the family that were in farming, or they you know they knew firsthand of farming families. Whereas it tends to be we're a bit more insular in our own little groups nowadays. And 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 you're saying also that even within some regional towns now that are becoming, I guess, like satellite cities. To a degree that even within a regional town, you might have people that are that are that are not as aware of the agricultural supply chain. It's a it's a smaller chain in the sense now of um, of less workers involved in in that as a as a broad kind of industry. So less exposure to to you know. Right. Do you think do you think um, that means then that there's an imperative to get people more familiar via education so that they know exactly how this agricultural supply chain works? Well, education is one part of it, uh, and I think uh, obviously the more exposure people get uh, and young people, um, the more uh, they can uh, be sensitive to 
the the supply chain. And I think there's a real disconnect with understanding of the supply chain. Again, it comes down to agriculture equals farming, which we know 80% of agriculture happens once the product leaves the farm gate and then ends up on the plate. So, you know, that reframing that sort of discussion, um, I, I think young people are a key and teachers providing teachers with resources to enable them to do that. Um, it really comes down to some passionate teachers who are really passionate about teaching food and fibre, as, as we as we know. But I think one of the key um, uh, influences in all of this are going is has to be parents, and parents have to be along uh, along the the, um, the the pathway to support that understanding, um, especially when it comes to careers, but um, just simply about um, understanding uh, what what is agriculture. I mean, a lot of the exposure that um, we get from media, um, whether it be television, whatever it might be, is always about, you know, the old man on a tractor, the whinging farmer talking about the drought and the flood again. Um, and, and we don't get an exposure to the realities of what 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 farming is and, and agriculture is all about. That, you know, the, the, the company that's um, processing, you know, milk products into other sorts of products don't get the showcase. They're all part of agriculture. So I, I think that exposing the kids from primary school all the way to high school with, with great examples of what is next gen, Australia, like the current current ways in which we're um, agriculture is evolving is a, is a key part do, of that. Do you, do you think those like do you think those stereotypes are changing? Like there is the stereotype of and I, I I still think, if I'm completely honest, I still think some of those stereotypes are still pretty accurate. <laughs> Like, oh, uh, look, like, I, like, like the uh, if you go yeah. to you go to an event, and you know, the Aaron Williams, uh, Aaron Williams shirt, Aaron Williams boots, uh, belt, Aaron Williams belt, uh, maybe maybe some Levi's jeans. You know, there's there is a bit of a uh, there is still a stereotype that is still there valid, is. valid mm. in mm. many cases. I oh, know I I look I'm I'm not disagreeing with any of that. But I think that the things that attract young people into uh, interest in in whatever topic it might be, um, it 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 has to be current. It it has to provide them with a a better picture than 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 just what they're being exposed to. And I guess also that um, you know kids are exposed to these messages in diverse ways these days. You know TikTok mm. or um you know, uh, through gaming or whatever it might be. Matt, Matt, and... just, Matt, just so you know, TikTok is a social media platform. I just I just want to just clarify it for Matt because Matt's a little bit older than me. Right, um, right, but, but, I see. But, but we do yes. have a, we, Matt, we do have a TikTok account, by the way, Matt. We just haven't mm -hmm. it. Yeah, no, that's it. Well, we might be able to do a few, few little might... short short songs on TikTok for our, uh, we know our subscribers like when you and I yep. sing, so we might just do a few songs. Um <laughs> Luciano, you, you mentioned there as well, and you made a good point. I think that that agriculture is more than just farming. I'm paraphrasing what mm -hmm. you know. I think that was the message you're saying there as well that that there is that rest of the agriculture supply chain outside the farm gate, um, and and to a degree even on farm, you're talking about different things that can be done, whether it's through you know um, bringing in a livestock consultant or an agronomist or you know, a farm type manager mm. that does the economic side of things. Um, and, and, you know, margin analysis. So, you know, it can be guys like Andrew and myself that in our, when we're not doing podcasts, we're, we're tapping away on a computer with a lot of data manipulation or presenting the findings of data. That's agriculture as well. That, you know, there's 
scientists that are, you know, producing or, or, or researching right. new ways of food production, you know, that's yep. agriculture as well. And that's right. Think, Absolutely. Do you think that that part of the reason why there's, there, you know, a lot of people lament that there's not enough people or a lot of, not a lot of young people considering a career in agriculture is because the thought is that it, oh, I don't want to be a farmer or I don't want to be on a Correct. farm. In Andrew's case, I don't want to be hanging around smelly pigs. No you know, um, who does not, Gosh. not, you know? not again, never again. So, <laughs> so is that, is that part of what your role is, is to try and, you know, kind of build that level of understanding of what is mm. agriculture? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you, you're spot on there with what you're saying, because, um, you know, an example would be, you know, I, I think that we can better showcase things like um, plant breeding, for example. Um, the amazing work that the Australian Grain Technologies does, uh, they're, they're in several locations across Australia and, and their plant breeding system and um, just the process by which a new variety of wheat is um, is bred is just incredible. And I, I visited um, their uh, Roseworthy facility and I thought all kids need to know about this because this is, you know, really at the core of, um, of, of um, producing um, a new a new plant breed and, and a new plant variety and and why that's why that why what are attributes for that uh, that variety are being bred bred for and and all of that really they're the sorts of stories that we need to have kids seeing and and understanding and and being exposed to so um so I think that it's um all levels of knowledge. Right, you know, even to talk about soils, you know, soil science itself is, you know, soil is so important because it's the the it's the thing, the giver of life. In in you know, your, your animals can't grow unless they've got good soil for pasture, or you know, you can't grow, uh, you know, whatever plant crops that you have. Um, all all these sort of things that kids need to be exposed to somehow. So, is there is there? I was just going. Is there a problem with if you look at something like? The, the broader curriculum and I know, you know being an educator like yourself and I, I had some background in it for a little while there so I've got some level of mm -hmm. understanding so that the different states have their own kind of curriculum that they adhere yep. to that's why you've got yep. you know VCE in Victoria and HSC Correct. New South Wales and that. so is, is there is it a problem that there's all these differences and some states maybe bring agriculture into the curriculum you know, and try and teach them agricultural literacy for want of a better, um, you know, yep. kind of description, uh, mm -hmm. along with the, the the traditional financial literacy or reading and, you know, the, the, the three R's or whatever, and, and, and increasingly now economic literacy is becoming also important. Um, but it should should there be more kind of um, organised approach and, 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 and trying to bring agriculture across all of those different levels um, to try and build that awareness? And is, is the problem that because we've got that state system that some are doing it maybe better than others, you know, there's no real mm -hmm. national framework to try and introduce this, you know, yep. is, is that what's what's required? Well, that's a fantastic question because there's two levels to this. There is a, an Australian curriculum that has food and fibre embedded from uh, foundation to year 10. And it's, a, it's across multiple subjects like science, geography, design and technology, um, and... Um, and, and smatterings of it within um, physical education and, and health education. Um, <clears throat> there's lots of opportunities, but in specific pockets of the curriculum for specific subjects. 
each state has their own curriculum. And I think um, that many states don't have a strong state-based curriculum across those those areas. New South Wales has a um, a very strong curriculum, and it and it covers food and fibre across multiple subject areas. So there, there's some really strong connections there in New South Wales, and there's some in Queensland. I know Tasmania and South Australia are doing amazing work, and their curriculums are are a, a mixture of the national curriculum and their state-based curriculums. Um, but but I think what it comes down to is, um, you know, really providing teachers with that guidance and whether it's, you know, exposure to the fact that they can use agricultural examples when they're teaching maths or English or art or whatever it might be. So is that is that part of the is that part of the battle though as well that if you've got a teacher that that, that themselves <laughs> say urban you know brought up in an urban environment they're they're not familiar with the links of agriculture into the curriculum so therefore they yep. just don't teach it right that's that's part of it I think they're not uh, they they probably haven't been exposed to it and and don't understand the the links and how to make it happen because I mean for me. <clears throat> especially in the work that we do in PIFA, um, all of our new resources that we've been creating over the last three or four years have a hands-on component, and that's across the board, multiple subjects where there's something hands-on. You want kids to, to do something hands-on because agriculture and food and fibre is hands-on. You just can't have them have kids, um, you know, <coughs> listening um, and and doing an, a, a comprehension exercise. That's, that, that's quite, um, you know quite boring you, you have to engage them at multiple levels and and yourself as a special ed teacher will understand that immensely but um <clears throat> i think teachers are resource poor they're time poor and they don't initially see the opportunities uh you know for example um you know some teachers that i've spoken to over the years say well i, I, I it's too difficult to engage in anything agriculture like growing a vegetable garden we did that one year and you know the kangaroos ate it or the rabbits ate it. Um, you know, we had chooks, but the fox fox killed them all. That's part, and, of, the, that's and they part, do, that's part of the lesson, isn't it? They do that once, and then they say, <laughs> we're never doing that again because the kids were traumatised. And, and and I've got several of those stories that I hear, and I said, well, you know, really, try again. But you can learn something new from from that on, on how to manage that. But, but also being resource poor, that all these activities cost money. Um... And so, you know, really, at the end of the day, when it comes to a school engaging in food and fibre education, it has to be a whole school activity. I really believe in that. And I think that, you know, that the school itself has to embrace it somehow. So that's not just one teacher. Out of, uh, out of, out of course, you talk about resources and schooling. Do you feel you get more engagement with, you know, the private schools or the public schools? Um. No, I, I think we get a balance of both, in in fact. Um, you know, I, I think that um, in the main, if we're, um, you know, we, we there's a lot more um, public school teachers than there are private school teachers. Um, and I think there's probably um, more public schools that engage in pure agriculture. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I think there's a, I think it's a, a, a balance there. Um, but I think, you know, some schools who do have the, um, the support of their principal um, and obviously a, you know, a, a good budget can do an immense amount 
um, compared to <coughs> other schools that don't have the budget. But I know of lots of teachers who do a lot with nothing yeah. um, and they're creative and they're passionate. And, you know, really, it, it, again, it, come, it comes down to um, individuals who really want to drive it. Who, who support, who funds your organisation? So we're we're funded by um, the research and development corporations. So there there um, there are thirteen research and development corporations who provide research and development about multiple agricultural industries, such as Meat and Livestock Australia, uh, Hort Innovations uh, Australia, um, Grains Research and Development Corporation, um, and um, we receive some funding from the federal government for specific projects yep. um, and um, some state based funding. For, uh, for 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 doing what we do um but you know it's um um you know it's very challenging um we we obviously don't don't have um, enough funds to do everything that we really want to do and there's so much more that we could be doing I guess that's the thing like we, we've spoken a lot recently with people across the industry who are involved in that probably lobbying sort of side of things uh, we've seen a lot of issues lately around animal activists. And one of the key sort of things is we need to educate people more about the industry. And so I guess from, from your work, there's two sort of routes potential, two benefits. Some people might consider a job in agriculture at some point, but let's be honest, that's probably a limited chance that most people are not going to consider a job in agriculture. But it also gives them a little bit more understanding of the realistic side of agriculture. It's not a sort of a cookie cutter, rose tinted glasses version of it, which means mm. that when they see something in the newspaper when they're 25 about something X occurring, they're a bit more knowledgeable. Is that part of the goal? Is just to just to bridge the gap, I guess. It it is a part of the goal is to bridge the gap, but also to inform. So, for example, um, I um I attended a um, youth environment forum in Sydney last year. And the, most of the kids there were primary kids. And I, I asked each group, I said, who, who wants to work in agriculture? Not a single hand went up. So I said, who, who wants to be an accountant? About a quarter of them. Who wants to be a lawyer? You know, who, who, wants, to be, who wants to be a vet? You know, lots of kids put their hands up. And, and, and I said, well, they're all jobs that we need in agriculture. And they went, oh, really? Okay. Um, so, so I guess... I guess what we're what we're trying to do is really um, provide through through the resources that we provide to target to the needs of, of of teachers in the classroom, supporting careers advisors as well because careers advisors have an integral role in high schools in providing information mm. and and generally careers advisors may or may not know of all the opportunities that exist today because. You know, we're rapidly changing jobs on a day by day basis, day by day basis. <clears throat> and there's changes in all industries, but predominantly, um, you know, in, in agriculture because it's so diverse. Um, so I guess our role is to try and get the message out there and support teachers to really, you know, you've got a you've, you've got kids in every classroom who can be inspired by uh, an activity or an event. Um, you know, we, we, we have a program called Farmer Time, which is a virtual farm tour in, in connecting farmers or anyone along the supply chain with the classroom. And, and that's really an amazing program. Um, and, um, 
and we have Career Harvest, which is our careers portal. And what we try and do there is produce a series of day in the life of videos. So very short snippets about the day in the life of a particular person in a particular role um, and um, and really expose young people to what might be possible. The other, the other challenging thing that we face in the work that we do in terms of careers is that um, there's not a very clear picture of the pathways by which a young person can get into a career. So identifying what the pathway is, you know, what do I need to do to become a an agronomist or um, a, a drone uh, programmer or whatever it might be. And and there's no real, um, you, it, it's very hard to find that information. And we're trying to put that all into our website, um, Career Harvest. But they're the questions that parents say to me all the time. Where are the pathways? How much will Billy earn at the end? How does he get there? Who does he need to talk to? And so um, it, it's that that part of it's a real challenge. And um, we're trying to work towards um, bringing all that information together. Are there, um, are there particular states that are, in your view, doing a better job than others in terms of integrating ag into that curriculum and into that you know, kind of building the knowledge within the community, I guess, or, or at least within the within the school community. Um, I, th I think well, it, if, um, New South Wales is probably doing um, the the better job. Um, I think that um, we're very fortunate in New South Wales to be supported by the Department of Education and the um, New South Wales Education Standards Authority. Um, I think the the curriculums are strong. There's great support for teachers um, and predominantly agriculture teachers, but across the board um, with, um, um, you know, resourcing and, and the like. In New South Wales, what's unique uh, is that in Year 7 and 8, there's a subject called Technology Mandatory, and every student in New South Wales has to do at least 50 hours of agriculture. Hmm. And um, I think that's a great step forward. Um, obviously, there's variations on what that might be, depending on the location of the school, et cetera. But I think that's a great commitment to that. And, you know, there's a large number of kids engaged in agriculture as a subject in New South Wales. So so um, <clears throat> there's a, um, um, a friend of mine, Scott Graham, who's doing a PhD essentially about um, how do we improve agricultural education in schools. And um, he's got lots of great data, which which, which will come out in his um, <clears throat> in his in his thesis. But um, you know, essentially, uh, you know, there's there's um, uh, New South Wales is um, is very much leading the way, and and I guess uh, Tasmania and South Australia are doing amazing work. And in in fact, in New, in South Australia, uh, they have a lead teacher in agriculture. Uh, who is absolutely sensational. And in Tasmania, they have a uh, revitalising schools program um, there, which is also um, uh, an amazing way ahead to support schools with, with ag education. So um, it's, um, you know, it, it, it really comes down to the commitment of those, of those states and the state education um, authorities. One of, the, um, one of the criticisms, I guess, of introducing... Um, you know, extra extra items to the curriculum, you know, like like something focused on ag or you know, bringing in economics or other kind of 
aspects is that oh, we're crowding out the curriculum. It's difficult enough for yep. teachers to teach, you know, just yes. basic li- literacy and numeracy <clears throat> to the students. Yep. You know, we should be focusing on getting each student's ability at X level before we, you know, introduce all these new topics and new ideas. What do you say to that as a criticism? Is that a, a fair and reasonable assessment? Um, yeah, look, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think that the... Um, um, Run that question by me again. There was a, there was a lot there, so I've got the essence <laughs> just, of it. Just just like that, for for some, you know, I guess if you look at some of the basics of um, of literacy and numeracy in terms of your mm. you know, your, your basic kind of oh, reading, yeah. writing, arithmetic skills. Yep. Yep. Some yep. some people some people would argue if we crowd out the curriculum for want of a better description, right? With things like yep. oh, now we've got to teach agriculture. Now we've got to teach, you know, this area. Well, now we're going to teach economics. Yep. You know, should should we be? You know, and sometimes people criticise and say there's too much in the curriculum. It's too complex. It's you know, yeah, yeah. and yep. the kids aren't the kids aren't getting the basics of the of the you know the the, the reading and understand. writing. Understand. Right? Understand. But at the end of the day, you can teach maths and English using agricultural context, a vehicle. So I, I know it's reframing the way that teachers teach the content using something food and fiber related i mean that can be a quantum leap for for some teachers and you know time poor and you know we don't have the time to do all of that um and, but but I, I i think that really i think the key here is that uh, yes the curriculum is crowded and there's so many things that a teacher has to tick off um that uh, really you know looking at the curriculum and and saying, well, what what why is this happening? And and obviously the, the the teacher crisis that we're facing at the moment, with teachers, you know, just just not coping and and leaving the system, um, is uh, about the curriculum, but about the administrative part of what they do. So there's two components there. But I, I think that we can we can provide teachers with examples of how to use food and fiber across the whole board. Um, we, we have a number of teachers who've been doing the same thing for the last 20, 30 years, teaching the same thing over and over. Now, I, I think that's, you know, to me, that's pretty poor when, you know, the world's moved on. Um, but but there are, and it's, a, you know, there there are teachers out there who who do that and for, for many different reasons. Um, and, and I think that, again, you know, the opportunities are there um, to integrate it uh, within the current curriculum. But there's a bit of a quantum leap that has to happen. Out of curiosity, yeah, like I did a, I did a project a couple of years ago that involved me going around talking to farmers, and not farmers, talking to teachers about careers in agriculture, mm-hmm. and basically trying to encourage them. So a lot of guidance teachers, careers counsellors, that type of thing. And there was a lot of, you know, interesting takes on on agriculture, like we. But what what has been the interesting takes that you've heard? What, but, but actually, not interesting. What have been the worst takes you've heard from teachers? From what's, teachers, yeah. What's the about, thing? What's the thing about, that's made you cringe when you've spoken to them about agriculture? Uh, <laughs> you don't have to give any names, but there must be something. <laughs> well, I, I, I think just the the lack of understanding about, um, obviously about how food is produced, and uh, and where food comes from, because I think that's a that's a core issue. So uh, where where I worked, you know, we it comes had, from the it comes from the supermarket, with Canada, doesn't it? Surely. Oh yeah, the, you know, um, and 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 you know, milk comes from a carton, and uh, you know, eggs come from from a carton, and um, 
we did a survey of students uh, a couple of years ago that 35% of them thought that pasta was made from something other than a plant product and cotton socks were made from some artificial substance. Um, so, so I think that, um, you know, I, I think that we, um, uh, that, that, um, ability to expose, um, uh, people to, so in terms of the lack of connection, so, I mean, uh, 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 sometimes I've, I've, I've met teachers who've got no idea that, you know, cotton wool is not made from a sheep that comes from cotton. Um, and that, you know, I'm, uh, on many of occasions I've seen teachers who've got no idea, come to the farm and see how we grow food and just amazed that, you know, the the the, the tomatoes that we've, we that they just bought from us come from a plant that looks like that so um but uh, you know uh, so, so, so do you think the industry in a way has missed out a generation look I, I think i think that's a really hard thing to assess i think um going back to the whole urban divide thing urban rural divide in that you know i grew up on a farm and um and uh, growing up all i knew were other farmers and and, and i knew what where food comes from um we've got this disconnect because the more urbanized we've become that's the whole thing that we all know about so lack of connection of knowing someone who has a farm or lack of interest um i i used to um i used to give presentations to community groups about where your food comes from this is in between being before i was a high school teacher and and 50 percent of the people of these sessions said i don't want to know i don't want you to tell me where that chicken came from I just point blank don't want to know because <laughs> that'll just ruin sense. it for me. I just want to eat it. I just want to eat it. I just don't want to know about its history, its story. And I suppose you that, might, that, you that, might that, not want to know where chicken nuggets come from, but the chicken itself. Probably, but but this know. is this is the thing. We won't like, go there. Like, <laughs> and I'm not necessarily opposed to that view either. Like, oh look, I, I, I don't necessarily you're, you're, believe you're, that everyone to needs where, to know. I don't need to know where all of my food products come from. All I want to know mm. is that it's. You know, it's legally produced, it tastes good, and it's at an affordable price. I, look, I, I agree with you there. Not everyone needs to know, but as long as people make decisions based on, you know, some level of, um, you know, of understanding um, before they make decisions uh, that are not based on, on, on um, you know, logic and understanding. But I, I think that... It, you know, uh, I think the the rural urban divide is there and it's getting wider. Um, how do we inform people? Um, yeah, it, it that, that's a that's a really difficult chore and and task that we have. Um, and and for us, our main aim is to try and get kids to really think about the choices that they make. And we do know that young people are very sensitised to um, sustainability, about climate change, um, about you know clean food. Um, and and they you know there's a whole generation of young people who I think um, you know really are mindful of those aspects to do with with food and the clothing that they wear. So I think I think we're on the the cusp of you know a real shift in in thinking. It's um it's one of those things, Andrew. If you recall, we had a a client of ours years back, um, Sally O'Keefe, that was working in one of the uh, financial companies doing currency-based stuff. So someone that hadn't come from a, 
from an agricultural background, but but it was you know wanting to learn more about agriculture because they were trying to build clients in that area, right? And and I remember she talked to us a little bit about because when it was it was at the heat of the live export debate, um, it was when the original the Wasi Express, uh, you know, in twenty eighteen, and there was a lot of negativity around live sheep exports, particularly. And being an urban person, like there was a lot of discussion around you know within a, within a group of people. And none of them really knew about that live export space. But I remember Sally saying to us um, after after being involved with us for a number of um, you know months and years that she learned a lot about why you know why it was important for Australia, why it was important for animal welfare standards globally. And so then you know when those topics were coming up again in discussion within a group of people, she was able to dispel a lot of the misinformation or the myths around certain things because of that additional knowledge. And do you think that's partially what, you know, part of the imperative or, or what we're lacking in some areas too, that, that because of that disconnect, it becomes easier for radical types of people like yep. that have, say, a, a certain agenda, say a vegan-type agenda um, that isn't always based in 100% fact. Um, yep, yep, yep. No, they're, I, able yep. To, they're able to kind of, you know, get support for their for their view because people don't know enough about how animals are raised or what's the methods Correct. that are you know being utilised. Correct. And and so there's two things. Um, uh, we've noticed that um, the animal liberationist type of organisations, um, they're very high up on the list in the Google search. If a teacher's looking for a worksheet about sheep, then mm. normally Peter or any of those other organisations, I don't want to name any, um, they're, they're right up there. So a teacher who's got no idea will click on there and go to their website and download their lesson and then bang, it's in the classroom. So for, for us, it really is about a balanced view. We're not saying that, you know, we're, we're saying that kids need to know a bit about everything, the good, the bad, or, you know, the context of food production, um, not just one view. And, and, and mm. teachers... Not all teachers, but some teachers who have no exposure to what's good and bad data or information um, can can make those choices, um, and I and I think that that's um, uh, that makes our job difficult because then uh, then there's a particular view that's presented in the classroom, and kids will go home, and you know it it, it just it's all about how do we portray agriculture in um, a very balanced, positive light. And and that's quite challenging when it comes comes to that. And you turn the TV on, and if you're watching TV, then suddenly the commercials come on TV um, in prime time. So um, you know, um, it, it's 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 an, uh, it's a difficult one for for individuals, not just teachers, but you know, the general public to have a filter to know what's good and what's not. And so the and so you've got. Those kind of you spoke about some of those teaching resources that are available for for groups that have got a a specific agenda, but you, you guys have also got your own group of teaching resources that have been we do produced in a more balanced way, Indeed. downloadable from a website I from presume, Prime Zone. So the website's primezone.edu.au, and essentially there's um, over seven hundred free downloadable teaching resources on a range of different topics. Uh, and um, both in terms of um, um, downloadable PDFs, links to websites. But we also have an interactive website called Prime Zone Academy. So that came about um, as part of um, 
the beginning of COVID and and lockdown, and we decided that you know essentially we needed um, online resources that kids can do remotely, <laughs> and that they're self-directed, uh, easy to use, um, and so we've really we're moving more towards that to really support teachers because we have a range of teachers who are not trained to teach their subject area these days because because we have um you know teacher crisis we've got teachers who are music teachers teaching science and 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 uh art teachers teaching geography and 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 all of that means that we need to provide resources that suit all kinds of teachers without ex expecting them to know everything about curriculum content. And, and that's how we're driving our new resources that we're producing so that any teacher can pick it up and it's got full instructions on how to use that in the classroom. Linked, everything we do is linked to the curriculum and, and really trying to make it as easy as possible for a teacher to engage in food and fibre in the classroom. So next week you've got a conference. We so do indeed what, what, in Canberra. That, what's that about? So first and second of May. Um, so our, our our conference, which it traditionally is every two years, but we haven't run it for five for obvious reasons, um, is is basically to showcase um, uh, the, the, uh, food and fibre education across Australia. So we have people from every state coming to our conference. Uh, there are workshops, um, lightning sessions, and keynote speakers who will be presenting um, pretty much focused on um, a, a range of, of, of uh, concepts and topics to do with um, um, innovation in agriculture, um, the future of primary industries, um, successes and in innovations in education, and careers and workforce in primary industries. So um, <clears throat> that's they are the main threads throughout the, the two days of the conference. What's, what's, and, the, um, what's the main kind of audience you'd expect to be there? Um, so we we have probably half our audience will be educators. It's teachers predominantly, um, and then we have industry representatives from a range of uh, industries that uh, primary industries and um, and government as well. So government organisations also um, either um, uh, representing their organisations or presenting um, because there are a range of different stakeholders out there doing this work that we're doing and and very much our job is to collaborate and to share um we we are um primary industries education foundation is a not-for-profit organization so now our job is to collaborate and share as much as we can because uh, to me we're all wor working together towards the same aim that's that's an important point as well because the ag watchers is also a not-for-profit venture educational educational type um education we're here to collaborate I'm, I'm learning something every every minute with you guys and, this uh, is great and uh, and we could be a resource we could you could do a resource just on the ag watchers podcast uh you well, know for, for well, those auditory I'm, learners i'm sure we could add you somewhere on one of our websites uh some of our stuff is a bit more risky at times <laughs> right okay well, we'll, we'll <laughs> might we'll, have to come with a, we, we with can, a pg um, 13 plus uh, we can rating. um well yeah. we can edit it down it'll come to about 30 seconds won't it <laughs> we have one one or two sound bites per episode but yes. no, no i think like from our point of view like, it's interesting because like i've always been fascinated by educating people in agriculture because i don't come from a rural i come from a rural background in scotland but i don't come from a farming background and 
it's really interesting because I spend most of my time outside of or out with work hours with um, non-agricultural people. Mm-hmm. And it's quite interesting when you sort of the comments that you hear from people with no connection to agriculture in relation to agriculture, because they mm-hmm. automatically ask you about it because they know you've got a background in ag. And sometimes the statements are pretty wild. And we're talking from guys and girls who are intelligent, smart, mm-hmm. in their 30s, educated, yep. who have very little knowledge of agriculture and it's and food in general. And I think it's quite fascinating. And that's why we need sort of kids to understand something a bit more, just the rudimentary Indeed. stuff. Just just enough to pique their interest and possibly keep it going. Because I've always wondered like things like MasterChef mm. and, and whether, whether that has hastened a bit more of an interest in where food comes from. Because everyone's a bit, nowadays a bit wanky when it comes to food. Oh, like they want to know well, that, that sausage is made from Percy the pig from down the road. <laughs> and, you know, it's you know, this kumquat has been made and you know. By well, you know, I mean, you're talking to an Italian here, and food is a core part of my life. And so, you know, I see, you know, suddenly we got the barista coffee, and I'm thinking, what the hell? I've been drinking that coffee since the age of five. You know, what's new here? And then all, you know, suddenly Mediterranean f- <clears throat> food and and the like has become the flavour of the month. And, you know, pizza and pasta suddenly become Australian cuisine. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I, I, I think that, yes, the, the those food shows have really driven a real interest in um, in in uh, cooking food. And, um, you know, I, I think we've come a long way in Australia since the 50s, 60s and 70s, you know, a um, long way from those fondue parties. Uh, I think um, I think one of the important aspects of that traditional culture. You mentioned pizza there, um, Luciano, and and, it's, and it's, I think it's a, it's a Scottish innovation in pizza. Well, they, that's <laughs> it. I, and I, I tried to get in there early because I knew I could sleep what, by the what, what about is that, is that a, is the pineapple a Scottish innova, innovation? No, well, oh, we take mm, even, even. We're not going to. We, we like to be contra- controversial on Ag Watchers, but we're, we're not going to mention pineapple and pizza on Ag Watchers. I don't want to get into oh, that battle. The Scottish, you know, the, the Scottish pizza is a deep fried pizza. Mm. Right. Has it got haggis? You can have haggis on it, but it's basically. Excellent. It's, Love it. It's a pizza dipped in batter and then put in a deep fryer. Yummo. And that is why. Bring our, it on. That's why our life expectancy in certain areas is 56. Um. Oh goodness me, that's my age today. Well, if you're in Scotland, you'd be struggling. So, oh dear. So, I think we've probably come to the end, as as Matt and I generally tend to find it. We get to the end as we start talking about food in Scotland, um, or some other Hoiberg tangent, or some other Hoiberg tangent. Mm. But it's been interesting mm. to to speak to you and get your insights into into the education space in agriculture, because it is one of the things that we hear people complaining about. Oh, we need to teach those bloody latte sipping, you know. Crock wearing. Crock wearing. The crock wearing. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we need to teach those latte sipping three-year-olds about agriculture. And uh, and that's what yeah. this is actually doing is, uh, is actually starting to, I'm not going to say the word indoctrination, but it's, <laughs> It has to start. Education. Yeah, it's an education. I come from a place where we were indoctrinated on the benefits of the British Empire. 
Uh, yes, you were. <laughs> mm. And uh, when, you, yeah. when you go on anywhere else in the world, it's, uh, yeah, we were taught a different way. <laughs> that's um, that's right. Yeah, no, it's, um, look, I, I, I think there's, um, we've got a long way to go with all of this. There's no short or, or, there's no short or long answer to this. Um, all we can do is keep chipping away. What, and What do you need from the industry to make your job easier? Mm. Well, um, I, I think, you know, um, ideally more collaboration across the industry so that we can collaborate more in terms of a whole approach to to ag education, food and fibre education. Uh, obviously, you know, um, uh, you know, fu our funding is limited. There's a lot more that we could do with, with, with further funding. But I think part of that is also, you know, um, I think working collaboratively with all industries towards the same aim. We're all... We, we all identify there's a workforce crisis. We all identify that kids need to know more about where their food comes from. There's a lot more that we can be doing. And so, um, you know, it's, um, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's not going to happen overnight and we need a, a long-term plan and to be, you know, very, very serious about what we actually do. And um, I think bringing industry together is something that um, will be a key to this. And, um, you know, I, I just think also that um, trying to get the message out to schools and teachers is very difficult when there's so much noise out there in terms mm. of, you know, going to Google and you type in, you know, vegetable production, there's there's like a billion websites that yeah. appear. And um, how do we how do we get up there on that on that Google search? Um, uh, organizations are spending millions of dollars yeah. a year just to be right up there. And I've got another question, and you might not be able to answer this, but I was just curious when you were just mentioning about the divide and about outreach to, to young kids. Has, and you might not have heard it firsthand, but you might have heard it secondhand, have there been complaints from parents about teaching agriculture in school? Like, let's say, for instance, you've got a, you know, I'll use a name, Karen who lives in Sydney, who, <laughs> who is a vegan. Who's, and then poor, our kid, our poor kid, Karen. It's, it's Karen. a name that is up there with Adolf now, I think. But yes. I think, um, have you? is there a potential that you'd have like a, a parent who's vegan and trying to instill vegan values into the children, then getting taught about meat and livestock production in school in, in what would be a, a realistic but you know, yep. not negative manner. Look, I I haven't had that experience personally, but I'm you know I'm I'm aware of other examples where um their parents have been involved with um you know the messaging that's coming out of the out of the classroom. Um, part part of the issue is not not solely about what's taught, but what's in the curriculum. So there's you know there have been examples where. Um, parents have complained about what's in the curriculum, <clears throat> mm -hmm. but teachers um, have also been wary of what's in the curriculum and the messaging. Um, so I, I, I think I think there have been examples of that that I'm aware of, and and I guess you know I, I think everyone's free to make their own choice if they want to, if they want to be vegan or vegetarian. Um, they're all options. And, um, hmm, you know, we could have this argument about um, almond milk and, and oat milk and 
and stuff like that to say, you know, is that really milk? And uh, why should my child learn about something that's not real milk, which I've heard before as well. Um, and um, yeah, so I, I, I think, I think the issue is that, you know, there, well, there's fig, sing- fig milk is still an agricultural product. Uh, it is still an agricultural product. I understand that. And um, it's, um, but um, yeah, I, I think. Um, Although I think I'll, th- I'll tell you a quick story about fake milk on a tangent. I went to a vegetarian cafe the other day for a coffee uh, with a friend and I ordered a soy latte, because, mainly because I like the taste of it. Uh, and a chop and change between milk and soy. That's our readers, listeners gone. Yeah. Uh, another person ordered a, a cappuccino with real milk. And uh, they placed mine's down and said, and here's the cow cappuccino for you in a very indignant oh, voice. Right. I was like, oh, geez. Uh, you're not going to tip now. <laughs> no. So, no. But anyway, that's a complete Hoiberg tangent. I think, I think what you're saying, though, with regards to... It, it comes back to what you said before, the channel is balance, balance, balance in the curriculum, but also the ability to teach that critical thinking. So to have, it's not you're okay to 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 show both sides of the argument in certain you know controversial topics as long as there's that balance. Oh yeah, there. yeah. Honestly, yeah. yeah, the critical thinking component is really, really important in all of this, and kids and teachers need to get their balanced view and and really make up their own minds um you know it, at the end of the day given given a balanced view rather than one view oh, no you can't give them a mm-hmm. rose-centered view of it either you know, you no but a balanced view realistic. based on based on you know legitimate data facts. and information right that, yeah, that's facts. right yeah. that's right and so what, but then the, the core issue is how do they know that they're the facts where are they getting it from um, when you know the internet's such a wild world of so many different falsehoods and mm. and 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 fake fake news. One of, mm. one of, That's one why of, you one, can one, trust one, episode three in the Ag Watchers podcast for the facts. For the facts. <laughs> one, one, one of the other things I do recommend in this, I don't know if you've watched this. I think it's one of the best educational resources for farming, specifically meat, is a BBC TV show from two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Right. Kill it, cook it, eat it. Yes, I have seen them. They're good. Nice. And yeah. it, it goes through the whole process. It takes a whole bunch of different people from different parts of society, you know, and then takes them to show. Oh, yes, to- yes, son. I have seen that. Yes, now I remember. Fantastic yeah. resource. It and, is. And, and such a, and it was interesting to see people's perceptions change. You know, those, mm. people, those people who were on the fence about meat being more inclined to eat meat, those people being. Vegans, you know, staying exactly the same, but understanding it a little bit more. And I think that's that's where, you know, that's where we need society to move along to, is get more nuanced debate. Yeah, I, I think that um, if we are to expose kids, then they need to get out of the classroom and go and see it in person. Teachers need to get out of the classroom and see it in person. That's more challenging. One, one, of, the all- cha- one of the challenges we're actually going to get in agriculture is doing trips to to farms mm, absolutely biosecurity has become biosecurity yeah, yeah like we, we we actually on our pig farm we had funnily enough we had um melbourne uni agribusiness students from mm. the, from the master's programs right. and we uh, i did a bit of work with melbourne uni over the years and uh, we took we took pig farmers a uh, farm uh, 
students <coughs> yeah. there to the pig farm. Mm. For many of them, they were in their master's degree, and it was the first time they'd been on a farm. Wow. Mm. You know, and that's, yeah. that's, that's the future. Uh, yeah. People who are actually specifically wanting to work in agriculture, and the first time they'd been on a farm was on the mm-hmm. master's year. Wow. Wow. So, but, uh, but you're spot on. I mean, we need to – I know it's challenging because of biosecurity, um, and and I think that that's where the virtual thing comes in. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. So there's and, different ways of connecting. And farm simulator on the PC and PlayStation. Indeed, and VR and AR experiences that uh, are are all out there. There's um, Think Digital, who we work with, have got great um, VR and AR uh, content about agriculture. Their um, VR farm content is uh, is amazing. So um, any way that we can expose people to the realities and the, a balanced view is really what it's all about. And that's what we're trying to do. Right. Well, Andrew will be, Andrew will be at your conference next week. I think is Andrew, you're attending. He will. I will be. Yeah. So you'll be able to talk in person about methods to uh, improve the, uh, the reach. And, and that's, that's core business. That's really the, the, the real core of what we're trying to do. Over a soy latte or three, he'd be able to have a chat. <laughs> and a, a, a uh, deep-fried haggis. Deep-fried haggis. In a, in a, uh, yeah, no. You'll see me in the corner wearing my Crocs. <laughs> <laughs> With your paisley pants. With paisley uh, shorts on, yep. Lovely. Lovely. All right, well, I think we're, right, I think we're coming to the end, to the end of time. It's, yeah, it was good to, um, it's good to have you on to have a chat. Unfortunately, I'll be in, in attendance at, in camera, oh. but Andrew will be a representative there. And, um, Wonderful. Yeah, sounds like a good event. But, um, it's always think- good to get – again, it's another thing that we – I think we mentioned this before we, got, before we actually recorded a podcast. The whole aim of this is just to get – this podcast is get diverse points of agriculture on the podcast. And I think we're mm-hmm. 100 and – this will be the 167th episode, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and we've had a fair, well done. And we've had a fair amount of diversity in that time of different views and different mm-hmm. uh, different sort of areas. And that's even within agriculture, you come across things that you're not aware of. You know, and that's the great thing about the industry. Well done. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for the invitation to speak with you today. No worries. No worries. Thanks for uh, coming on, and uh, we'll see you when you got nothing on. See you later, pal. All good.